Hi, I'm Sabrina Soto. I believe the best conversations are with friends who are really able to open themselves up and share their lives, both the good parts and the bad. You're going to be listening to some of those candid conversations and hopefully gaining some insight to help you redesign your life from the inside out. This week's podcast guest is Mike Dooley. If you don't know who he is, you should look him up. He is one of the best new thought teachers out there. I've spoken about The Secret on some of my earlier podcasts. It's changed my life, and Mike was one of the teachers on The Secret, and The Secret really introduced the law of attraction to me. So he was kind enough to give me some time to answer every question I had about the law of attraction, manifesting, and just how to change your life sometimes when you're in a rut. Here goes. Hello, hello. How are you, Sabrina? I'm great, and I'm so excited to talk to you. I have a million questions for you. So let's start off with manifesting. In a lot of your teachings, you talk about the GPS, and just because you think positive thoughts, you still have to create some sort of action, and you have to get off the couch. How do you know when it's time to call it quits. Meaning how you're, you're thinking in the positive thoughts and you're creating all of the action. How do you know when it's time to call quits or to keep going? Because I think a lot of the times people are starting a new venture and then they think they don't see any positive things coming and maybe they think it's time to quit, but you, you say to keep going. And when do you know which is which? Well, there's a, a lot of little lessons in that question. So let me review the GPS navigation metaphor for the audience right now. Good, good idea? Absolutely. Okay, to create change in your life, it's all about the thoughts you think. And the thoughts you think include the words you speak and the actions you take. It's all just thoughts. Some are animated, some are spoken, some are just contemplated on, but it's all about thoughts becoming things. And the best way to kind of get how this works through a manifestation process would be to compare it to a GPS navigation. You know, if you're in your car and you want to go somewhere you've never been before, which is, you know, synonymous with, you know, living a life you've never yet lived before. The first thing that has to happen with GPS uh, navigation is you have to enter the destination. Okay. The system knows where you are because there's constantly this, you know, recalculation and, uh, reassessment with satellite signals. So it knows where you are. What remains is to know where you want to go. And it can take you anywhere as long as there's roads there. You just have to tell it the destination. Or as I prefer to call it, the end result. All change, all transformation, all manifestations begin with the end result in mind. And with the end in mind, with GPS navigation, instantaneously, all of the hows, all of the logistics, all of the traffic conditions and detours are known. And what's computed back to you virtually instantaneously is the shortest, quickest, happiest way for you to get there. So when it comes to living the life of your dreams, creating transformation, we need to begin with the end in mind. And then step two, we must put our car in gear. Too often people slip on this one. They think, oh, thoughts become things. There's a law of attraction. The universe loves me. All true. 
but there's a missing dot there. If you're not acting on your dreams, you're not congruent. You're not in alignment. You are, in fact, contradicting yourself, Sabrina. If, if you've got this dream of champagne, caviar, friends and laughter, health and healing, but you're sitting on the couch doing nothing about your dream, it's like sitting in your car while it's in park wondering when you're going to arrive. You will never arrive. Your dream will not come true unless you're humbly doing something about it, which means car and gear. Most people don't put their life in gear because they don't know how their dream's going to come true. It's like you don't have to know how. You can't know how. It's daunting. There's 7 billion co-creators, and the universe, divine intelligence, is tracking all of us. It knows who's changing their mind. It knows what other priorities you have, what blocks you have, what fears you have. But as long as you're in gear, there can be this unfolding through so-called serendipities, coincidences, happy accidents that will lead you ultimately to a day, a physical surroundings that mirrors what you were thinking about at the outset of your journey. And now, with that under our belt, Sabrina, let me answer your question. Um, how do you know when to let it go or when to hang in there? Um, this is dicey because, as you can see with the GPS analogy, you know, destination, car and gear, the universe, the magic takes care of everything else. We all have to have our own destination and we all have to take baby steps. But if we are not choosing our end results wisely, and there is a peril here, Sabrina, that, that, that few talk about. I call it the Bermuda Triangle of manifesting. If your destination does not avail you of life's magic, then you might never arrive. And let me give you some examples. Too often, people think their dreams or they allow their dreams to depend on a specific person's behavior. You know, I want my boss to give me a raise. I want my partner to show me more love. I want the kids to make their bed in the morning before school. When you get your act together, people, then my life's going to take off. So right away in that scenario, and it's quite common, you know, people are hinging their success and therefore their happiness on certain people behaving certain ways. And that just doesn't work. You know, it'll work some of the time. Sometimes you'll get that pay raise. Sometimes the kids will make their bed. But if you're putting your life's happiness on hold, conditioned on a certain person's behavior, it might never come to pass. And so this is the importance of wisely choosing your end results. Similarly, the other two corners of the Bermuda Triangle are messing with the cursed house, I call them, worried about how will my dream come true? How will I find the perfect partner? How will I lose the weight? How will I make a lot of money? It's not our jobs to figure out the hows. The brains were designed, our brains were designed not to calculate the logistics of seven and a half billion co-creators, but to assess whether or not you like certain areas of your life. Do you like relationship status right now? Yes or no. If you like it, good. If you don't, change the picture. Just change the picture of the end result you're desiring in your mind to one of happiness, to one of joy, to one of harmony, to one of abundance, to one of health, to one of healing. Assess the areas of your life 
where you are unhappy, create new pictures, meaning new visions of new end results that are not contingent on how will I make money? How will I heal? You still got to do stuff, the baby steps. We just talked about that. Just do anything to the best of your ability and then you'll be reachable by life's magic. Okay, but saying do stuff. So let's say I do have a a dream and the dream is to own, or for me, it would be having my own daytime talk show. So if I don't worry about the house or who's going to bring it or how it's going to happen, how do I find out the, the steps to take if I don't worry about the house? And that could be for anyone's dreams. Oh yeah. So the thing that makes a how a cursed how is not what you do. It's how you view why you did it. And let me clarify, of course, when we think Perhaps because we saw the secret 30 days in a row. You know, the universe loves me. There's a law of attraction. Um, uh, I I want to live in wealth and abundance, and I'm going to do it by publishing my book or or, or any number of other pathways. And the universe loves me, so it's going to help me publish my book, and it's going to get me on Sabrina's show, and everyone's going to love it and run to the bookstore, and I'm going to live happily ever after because my book's a bestseller, and I'm now living in wealth and abundance. As soon as you say that there is a how my wealth and abundance will come true. You slam shut the door on all other possibilities. Instead of also considering, you know, sales or human resources or working with people or, you know, divine intelligence knows an infinite number of ways any dream could come true. As soon as we say, as soon as we say, this is how, this is the path, this is who will fall in love with me, this is who will give me a leg up then we exclude all other options. Mm -hmm. So don't view it that way. Still take the baby steps. Still write the book. Still launch the the, the show, if you will. Um, But do it kind of with a glad heart. Do it as a possibility. What I would say for you in the example you just gave, Sabrina, is, you know, yours is not one of I want wealth and abundance, so I think I'll do it through a show. Yours is I want a show to bring joy and enlightenment to, to viewers the world over. Right. Perhaps did I say that okay? Absolutely. All right. Okay. So so this is not a how other than to joy. And that is always the exception. As long as what you're moving towards is your own and other people's joy, you've got an excellent destination. Now, a show is one way to do it. A podcast is another. Uh, a website is another. An email service is another. I, I would say absolutely do the show. But be available with your antennas up for all other similarities. I mean, maybe you could be involved in a creative writing effort. Maybe it could be, um, well, you know, whatever else uh, kind of aligned with you and your desires for expression and creativity. Um, Within the avenue of the show, you would do all things that anybody who wants a show would do. Right. You know, you, you'd meet, you'd greet, you'd ask for help, you'd uh, find producers, you'd brush up on the skills, you'd be, you know, you'd be the best you could be down that path. And there'd be, that's a pretty um, broad path. So you're not eliminating or, or limiting yourself by saying, I want to have my own show. It's usually when people get too specific down a very narrow path, and this is going to be the way. And that view of what they're doing will exclude other options. Whereas you having the idea for a show, being involved in TV, reaching out to other people, this is general enough that there's going to be a way for divine intelligence to do it. So with an end result 
that's defined wisely like this, where there's a number of ways to get you in front of an audience, reaching people, making a difference, then you're, not, you're in a, an excellent place with an excellent end result. And what does remain is for the unending baby steps to follow. Let me ask you about asking for help, which you mentioned earlier. In the law of attraction, the thinking, the steps almost make you feel like if you are doing those things, the universe will bring them to you without having to do outreach. But you're saying in addition to the thinking and the practice, the daily practices, you should, it's okay to, to reach out and for asking for assistance of other people. Totally. Uh, totally. You know, here's a little bit of the art of life. There's not going to be one way to do it. And certainly people have succeeded without asking for help. Certainly people have just kind of did what they knew to do and it was enough to win the gold medal or make a million dollars. But when you know what we know, you and I, if you will, metaphysically, that there's more to life than meets the eye, that there is a, a divine intelligence that's rooting for us, that's on our team, why wouldn't we do everything in our power to be available to this magic? The more we do additional baby steps, asking for help, going back to school, continuing education, some of the stuff that's not that glamorous or seemingly that spiritual, still nevertheless gives divine intelligence even more opportunities to reach us. You know, too many times in my life, I would ask somebody for help. And while they did not give me the help that I wanted, I learned that sometimes knocking on one door, like asking John Doe for help uh, launching my speaking career, even though that door didn't open, because I knocked on that door, another cooler, better door five days later opened. And it was John Doe calling me saying, hey, let's do an audio program together. Uh, we'll sell it as a subscription. It'll be self-improvement. This is where my core material, infinite possibilities, came from. And he got me over the hurdle of the resistance I was feeling towards creating something like that. And once he did, he backed out. Right. And it was my own product. It was my own New York Times bestseller. But had I not asked him for help as a speaker, he would not have known better my circumstances that I had a, a small following at the time of 3,000 people. And he proposed to me being a joint venture partner for this for this audio program that would end up being a book. Um, knocking on one door will often force a different door to open that would not have opened had you not knocked on the first door and that is a hundred times cooler than the door you picked to knock on that never did open That's right. Uh, to begin with. So asking for help is like, you know, not above or beneath anybody. We should all feel the need, not just for the distance you cover. This is taken from some of my work. You don't take the baby steps for the distance they cover. You get nowhere. Baby steps are baby steps. You go really slow. The reason you take the baby steps is because it unleashes divine intelligence and the forces of the universe to reach you yet another way. It creates possibilities. You take one baby step, Sabrina, divine intelligence can then take 10,000. Right. You take one more, Divine intelligence takes 10,000 more. The trick, the hook, we don't see the progress we're making. We don't see what divine intelligence is doing on our behalf. When we have a three-hour GPS-guided destination in our you know, journey that we're taking in our car, it's not until the final moments 
that we realized every right and left-hand turn we took was perfect, spot-on a miracle. During the journey, it all seems weird. It's awkward. It's outside of our comfort zone. We wonder if we haven't self-sabotaged. Right. Are no, we but doing that's, this wrong? Exactly. When you're on that journey and it hasn't happened, how do you, how do you Mike, stop from second-guessing yourself? If I know my end results are fair game, meaning they're not contingent on a certain person behaving a certain way. I'm not telling the universe this book or that project must take off. I'm like, I'm going to do the book. I'm going to do the other project, but I'm open to other ways. I'm open to other people. If I know my end results are not in the Bermuda Triangle of Manifestation, I know, I remind myself, I write it down, I affirm it's working. Right. It never fails. Every day I get closer. Every day it gets easier. I'm doing all I can. I never allow myself to move into contradiction by passively standing on the sideline. I do something every day about the end result. And I'm a writer. I don't ever say, this book will be the bestseller. This book, it's like, I don't flipping know which book will be the bestseller. I don't know if I'll have the right tone or the right cover or the right whatever. I'm going to give this book everything. And then I'll give the next book everything. And then I'll give the next speaking event everything. And then I'm open to, you know, whatever else comes down the pike as for that will facilitate me reaching more people with the good news about life's magic and our power. What are your daily practices? Pretty simple. After <laughs> Other pulling time. myself <laughs> out, of uh, out of bed. And, uh, you know, I, I think... It's a great question, and I get asked it a lot, and I've asked a lot of people that as well. And I think so often, though, we're looking for, like, you know, what am I missing that, that somebody else is doing? And so I like to say how simple mine is. You know, I pull myself out of bed, get ready for the day. Then I pull my daughter out of her bed. She's five years old. Get her ready for the day. i got to have that morning interaction. And then I, I come to my office, which is a drive across town in Orlando, Florida. And the first thing I do every single morning is I visualize slash meditate either for five or 30 minutes. Um, I imagine I'm, I'm like pumping my fist. I actually do physically pump my fist and wave my palms. I'm, I'm feeling in a, a celebratory mode. I hear in my mentally, uh, words of congratulations, well done. I hear gratitude and thank you. I don't even give my visions a why. I mean, I'm already in the business of, if you will, helping people, spreading the truth, um, you know, reaching those who have not yet been reached. So I guess that's kind of implied. But for me, I just have a little happy fest for five to 30 minutes uh, where I imagine that just there's just this joy and that I'm with friends and camaraderie. And uh, and then I have some journaling in that meditation. Uh, I have uh, ideas of projects that I write down have gone really well, even though they haven't gone anywhere yet. But the part of the visualization is, you know, the book is done and the tour is launched and uh, the event just uh, went off without a hitch, et cetera, et cetera. And, and for five to 30 minutes. I'm just in this zone of possibilities. It's all good. I'm really happy. I'm celebrating. I'm visualizing. I'm, um, I'm just thinking of the magic that's everywhere. And you're just sitting at your desk. Yeah. My desk. You're not at some, like on some meditation pillow, like floating. No, no, no. <laughs> 
No, I have several chairs in my uh, away from home office that I, I kind of alternate. I've got a vision board on the wall uh, that I stare at for some of these sessions that just have that are has images that are emblematic of a rocking, joyful life. Um, you know, nothing mysterious there. You know, pictures of happy people, swimming pools, ocean views. Um, Fabulous homes, etc. You know, you changed the way that I do vision boards. And for anyone who's listening, I'm, I spoke about this in my first podcast, but I've done vision boards now for 11, maybe 12 years. And I think what I was doing, well, what I now know that I was doing wrong that you taught me, I think it was in infinite possibilities, is mm -hmm. I put too many specific things in there. Ah. And I made, yeah, we yeah, I made it too specific. And that was the problem is that I, I was... I was almost making the house in those specific things in my vision board instead of making it broad. You know, this is another kind of funny thing. I'm glad you brought it up. It, it, it's the problem with the details like the house, like the specific people is when there's attachment. And if a vision board is becomes all about, you know, that's my next sofa furniture. That's my next car. That's my next house. And there's a degree of attachment that's when we exclude other options. And that's what I was getting at in infinite possibilities. Uh, otherwise, if the details are on your vision board, you know, whether it's bling or whatever, um, but it's there to remind you of how your life is going to blast off and you're going to be rocking in joy. And this is just, you know, these are just trinkets, these details. It's, it's these or better now there's not attachment. Right. Now you can totally have it. Yes. So I made the mistake of putting specific companies I wanted to work for. But what you're saying is true. Oh, if, that's too much. Yes, it's too mm -hmm. much because I was I was hoping I couldn't wait for them. Them they had to call that person, and when they didn't, what I was doing was I was attaching myself to that company or that person too much that everybody else went away. Yeah, you end up carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. You're walking on eggshells. Are you in the right place at the right time? Who knows? You know, it depends on where they are because it all depends on them. And that's exactly the problem. How does the law of attraction play into heartbreak? Most challenges, including uh, heartbreak and or grief, etc., um, are are exacerbated, if you will, without knowledge by the law of attraction. Because whatever, now there's a couple of mitigating things here, so let me give you the full picture. But at the outset, whatever we're thinking about, dreaming about, worrying about, grieving about, does kind of kick in, well, no kind of, it kicks into this loop, like attracts like, and if you dwell excessively on that which you don't like, that which has hurt you, that which is awful in the world, you're going to see more of that stuff in the world. And it's not going to create a great loop of experiences. It'll, re it'll create a repeat, repeat, repeat in, in the most dire way. But there's a couple of safeguards here. Um, so it's no cause to panic as long as we at least make the bare minimum effort to change the channel of our thoughts from time to time, you know, with the exception being grieving over the loss of a loved one, you know, everybody needs that grieving. It's part of the healing process, but 
at some point, and I know this to be true, having lost my mom uh, a couple of years ago, that we we need to get a little bit firm and say, you know, enough of enough. Uh, mom doesn't want me to be miserable. Mom is joyful right now uh, where she is, and she probably wants nothing more than for me to to let go and surrender and move forward. We're going to be together after all soon enough. So so enough of that, Mike, and be be firm with yourself so that you can create a new pattern of thinking, so that you can move into a brighter future. Um, and and not be dragging the past forward. So so number one, we have to be firm with ourselves, but you know w- w- with fairness and reasonableness. And number two, one of my favorite things to teach Sabrina, which has been kind of major in my own adventures the last I'd say ten years, is this realization of our nature is to succeed. We're born to thrive. We're all doing it significantly, even as a species, the human race, with our heads in the sand, thinking that God is angry and people are bad and it's all about being judged uh, for a judgment day. With those kind of thoughts being the predominant thoughts of most people on earth right now, we still thrive. We still have joy. We're still mostly extending our lifespan. We have DNA technology. We have smartphones, even with our heads in the sand, evidencing that we're here to succeed. We're here to break forward. We're, we're here to, to love and be loved. And this significantly gets accomplished, even with our naiveties about God and dreams and, and purpose. So, it's therefore as if our positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than our negative thoughts. And I've seen this with every crisis in my own life, Sabrina, when I couldn't stop that runaway train of fear and I would worry 17 hours a day back in my early 20s that I would get fired at Price Waterhouse, or in my 30s and 40s that my girlfriend at the time would break up with me or whatever it was that I was in crises over in spite of worrying uncontrollably, if I sat down and visualized for five minutes, that five minutes would always be able to offset the onslaught of fear I was uncontrollably thinking, evidencing our inclination to succeed. And so I like to say it's as if our positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than our negative thoughts, our fearful thoughts. Now, a thought is a thought. It's just judgment that says positive or negative. But when you consider, as I believe, that we are of the divine, by the divine, for the divine, here for joyful, loving reasons, in a safe, benevolent world where people are all doing their best, given where they're at in the, the course of their own conscious evolution, um, when you understand that and somebody thinks, you know, I'll probably achieve this dream. I'll probably lose the weight, probably meet the girl, probably make the money. Well, yeah, you're the eyes and the ears of the divine. When somebody contrarily says, I'm a dummy, I can't do it, it never works for me, those will always be the lies. Mm-hmm. Those, do, those are not supported by anybody's life. And now we could look for the really dire lifetime born in a drought in Africa, but we're not having that conversation right now. We can go there on a tangent one day. We're talking about our lives here today, you and your listeners and me. And and when we honestly assess our own progress, we find that we smile more than frown, laugh 
more than cry, have clarity more than sick, uh, clarity more than confusion, health more than sickness, money more than we're broke. It's like we're so here to succeed, we're doing it already, and therefore we begin to realize how inclined we are to succeed. The heartache in my life that happened last year brought me to my knees, but it also brought me back on this spiritual journey of finding what the negative things were in my life. And in that a reawakening, and what I'd like to call it, because I was forced to really, I found how bad my self-talk was. Like the dialogue that was happening in my head was really negative. And I consider myself a pretty positive person. But what you were just saying that I'm so dumb. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? God, I'm so stupid. And now I catch myself doing it. And I think it's really shifted my life without sounding so new agey, but it really has shifted my life completely. Just that little change that I've done of, of stopping the negative self-talk. And I think a lot of us do it. Oh, we always, we, we do, we do. I'm still vulnerable to it, but I, immediately remind myself of my inclination to, to, to thrive. And I'm like, okay, okay, do your best to stop that chain of negativity. Um, even in my crises, Sabrina, when I would be fearful 18 waking hours a day and I'd visualize for five minutes being positive, during my five minutes, I'd still be fearful. Yet I would still prevail. We are so inclined to succeed. If you combine not just this five minute of visualization, but combine that with some affirmations, combine that with some baby steps, combine that with asking for help. We become totally unstoppable. And suddenly we see why people are so successful. The people that are extremely successful in any given vocation or or direction in their life, they're they're never the, the smartest people. They're never the best educated people. They're never the most goody-two-shoes people. They're never the most anything, except they had the audacity, the brilliance, the naivety to think that their dreams could come true, and therefore they gave themselves permission to keep thinking along those lines, imagining along those lines, and doing something about it along those lines. And so they are uh, the people whose name people we know by first name, you know, kind of uh, success stories. Do Have you started to teach Rebecca, your five-year-old, about the law of attraction? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, I, I'm af- often asked, you know, what am I going to do with her? Uh, how am I going to expose her to this stuff? I, she's going to pick it up through osmosis because it's, you know, it's everywhere. so many of my conversations. But this is a distinction that I think is kind of relevant. Um, Living deliberately, creating consciously, that this is what I teach. This is what my whole career has been about for two decades now. Um, Still remains an option. Nobody has to come around and start living deliberately. We're already inclined to find harmony. We're inclined to move towards abundance. We're inclined to move towards fulfillment and friendships and laughter. And people do it all the time without consciously saying, I'm going to make that happen. Now, when you know what you and I know and many other people uh, know about our divine nature and that our thoughts become things, well, why not spend five or 10 minutes a day thinking thoughts along the life of your dreams? And so this is what I do and this is what I teach and, and it can make a huge difference. But it's not like we have to go there and we have to start manipulating and we have to 
Uh, I, I, used, I used to have this fear, Sabrina, a long time ago when I first became awoken, if you will. And I, my fear was, if I don't remember to think good things along the lines of wealth, if I don't remember to see myself in health, if I don't remember to see myself surrounded by friends, then, oh, my gosh, you know, major swaths of my life will be unaffected and unregistered and unfulfilled. And it's like the, the beauty and the magic of our divine nature is that we are love beings drawn higher with default settings to thrive. And so if we just follow our intuition and move with each day with a little bit of forethought, with a little bit of long-term planning, but not necessarily trying to micromanage our futures nor even micromanage our, our days, all the dots will be connected and we'll meet the right people and we'll make the right money and we'll have the financial freedom and we'll have the optimal health. This is our nature. And so, so there's a, I, I tell audiences when I have the opportunity to spend a day with them, you know, at the outset, it's like, let's not begin this workshop with the premise that anybody here is broken, that, that, that something is wrong, that you're missing something, that everything is right except this one thing. It's like, no, you, you couldn't be more awesome than, you're, than you are right now. You couldn't be more powerful than you are in this minute. You couldn't be more beautiful. And let's let that be our basis. And if there's any area in our life that we want to bring a priority to, you know, like I really need to fix my finances, you know, I really want to find uh, the ideal relationship, or, well, then that's fine, and that's where Mike Dooley comes in. That's where the law of attraction uh, will, will kind of make a quicker difference in your life. But otherwise, if we were never knocked out of balance, we would never need to overtly start controlling or manipulating the circumstances of our lives to be drawn back into balance. Right. It's only because we get out of balance that it's such a valuable tool to become conscious in your, your, you know, manifesting of circumstances. Yeah. I mean, all of the trials and tribulations that I've been through have brought me, have made me stronger and have brought me to where mm -hmm. I am now. I mean, I could sit and talk to for hours about the amazing things that have happened in my worst times and the, the things yeah. that never worked out that I was so, so upset about. I look back now and I realize why, because so many other things came out of it. But there are two mm -hmm. things I have in my office. One is of thoughts become things, choose good ones. And the other is when you're on your path, the universe will conspire to help you. And that is so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not alone. We're an extension of God by God. Pure God. In fact, you know, I write these notes from the universe every day, uh, and people dig that, you know, the idea of the universe is this benevolent, loving, supportive divine intelligence, as opposed to old school divine intelligence, which is an angry, wrathful, jealous God. <clears throat> but I will, you know, in deeper conversations, remind whoever I'm speaking with that, you know, it's it's like training wheels, this, this vision of God that is our, our number one cheerleader. Uh, the truer truth of it is, Sabrina, is that there is not a separation, us down here and the universe beaming out there. We're all one. There is just us. As a note from the universe once said recently, um, the, the truth is, Sabrina, there's you, and then there's a lot more you. And it's all you. <laughs> Everything is you. I'm you. We're all, 
we're all one. That's the the origin of that that old saying uh, of oneness. Um, there is just God. How could anything not be God? God has uh, seven and a half billion faces right now on planet Earth. In this one dimension, in this one um, this one linear manifestation, but but everything is God, and so God uh, is now on this great Odyssey adventure, where the the heavens, time, space, matter, etc., have been created, and now God is inhabiting it as you and me to see what will happen, and therefore, of course, we're inclined to succeed. Of of course it's all about love. Of course it's going to work out okay. Of course the harmony is innate and in, built into all of us. And and um, that's the truest of all truths, that there's no universe out there doting either, that the universe is inside your beating heart right this minute, adoring you right this minute, because it is you right this minute. I have to tell you, waking up to your notes from the universe, I loved for so many years. I think I spoke about it. My first podcast, anytime I do a speaking engagement, oh. I speak about your notes of the universe. As a matter of fact, I think it was this morning or was it yesterday? I got one that was one of the dreams that I had, but it already, it already came true. So <gasps> I know. And I said, to, I actually had to say to myself, I have to go back and update my notes from the universe, like the questionnaire, because one of them already, I already have them. Yeah. It's great. That's so great. I want to talk about your new book, A Beginner's Guide to the Universe, which I think is not only an adorable book, I think it would be a great gift for anyone. And I love the letter that you wrote to your daughter in the beginning. And I think what's great, it's just these little nuggets of your information. It's not something you have to sit down and hunker through. It's just little, little nuggets here and there. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. I'm uh, flattered and honored that you like it so much. Um, it actually is the product of me going through 3,000 notes from the universe that I've written, uh, picking uh, many, 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 many of my favorites. I think ultimately there's like 480 notes from the universe that I actually used where I kind of rewrote them, I whittled them down. They're no longer coming from the universe's perspective, but they're more framed uh, it's just, you know, useful life lessons. And of course, the book is for my daughter, for when she's an adult. Um, and, and it was meant to be the one book that she would most likely read, because, you know, family doesn't read my experience, my family. They don't read my work. Oh, I mean, please. Anybody else I know reads it. But, uh, don't you know, get me started. Just, <laughs> your brother, your son, your, you know, your... You're the, the one that aggravated them their whole life, so they're not going to look up to you as your uh, their guru. Mike, so, I was on a show the other day, and my, I asked my mom if she'd watch it, and she said she was watching Dr. Phil, but she may watch it tomorrow. I'm like, what? what? Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> I, crazy. Dr. Phil was so more important than her own daughter. Oh, man. Well, don't feel bad, okay, because because I know, I know how that is. So this book is for my daughter to read, and it's meant to be easy, breezy, light, and fun, yet with the same profundity, if I may claim that, that the Notes from the Universe has in like 485 um, lessons. So glad you like it. I love it. So for somebody who wants a little bit more, something meatier, what book out of all of the ones that you have written do you like the best or would you recommend? 
Mm, probably Infinite Possibilities, The Art of Living Your Dreams, which is coming up on its 10-year anniversary, I'm proud to say, and which is one of my two books that did make New York Times bestseller list, Infinite Possibilities. Amazing. And who is your favorite new thought teacher? Oh. Um, Am I going to start a fight now? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. Um, well, my mom was pretty darn good. Um and then outside of the family, although not f from an author perspective, I mean, she is an author. She wrote great books, but, you know, just as my buddy, uh, as uh, kind of my go-to person when I needed to ask for help. Um, because she first she gave you a, the conversations with Sam, right? Uh, conversations with the God? No. Conversations um, with what was the book uh, with the people kind of like Esther Hicks, but it was the oh, other. Seth. Seth, Seth, Seth. Yeah, sorry. Okay. She did. She did. The, the Seth material, S-E-T-H, by Jane Roberts. She did give those to me, and that lit a fire under me. Um, but that does make me think of conversations with God, and I think that happens to be some of the most profound material available, uh, written by Neil Donald Walsh. Um, Love him. Big fan of his... Uh, and uh, I kind of know I'm kind of down. I, I don't really have the nerve to say he's my friend, but um, but we do uh, come in contact from time to time. And he's endorsed uh, Infinite Possibilities and some of my other works. But his stuff is really phenomenal, just fantastic, very empowering. Mike, thank you so much for your time. I am one of your, I think, probably your biggest fan. I love all of your oh. materials, your books, your notes from the universe. I can't get enough. Ah, Sabrina, it has been an honor to be with you amongst your people. I'm grateful to you. I'm your fan and I love you. Where could people find more information about your books and everything that you're doing? Oh, at my website, tut.com. T like tiger, you like uncle, T like tiger.com. That's where I started 20 years ago. That's where they can get notes from the universe completely free. And we've just launched our Infinite Possibilities membership. So for a nominal fee each month, um, there's going to be podcasts, there's going to be different resources, there's going to be notes from the universe on the weekend, which we've never offered in 20 years, lots of fun little perks, and a community of people to kind of help one another stay in the zone and the vibe of all things are possible. Awesome, Mike. Thank you so much. And I will see you soon at one of your workshops. Hey, Sabrina, thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day.